0: Hello everyone, I hope that today has brought you so much joy, so much fun, and peace, and all the things, but if you are feeling anything like me, there has been a lot of heaviness, a lot to work through, whether it's been from this global pandemic, whether it's been from hard conversations we've had to have with friends and family about racial injustice, things that we've watched, things that I've read and learning, the listening I'm doing, it's just, it's a lot. It's really a lot. And it's not all bad. It's just heavy. And so today's conversation is all about what do we do with heaviness? How do we still stay in the game, still sort and process through it all, but also take some time for ourselves? Realize what it is that we need. Listen to the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to show up strong and courageous and bold in these things that we're called to. So today to join me on that conversation is Brittany Moses. She's incredible. She's a Los Angeles native, passionate about seeing this generation live on purpose. She studies psychology and research assisting at UCLA, and she leverages her platform to reduce the stigma and assist with helpful information at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health. I ask Brittany to join the conversation because she brings an incredible amount of wisdom to the table at where the intersection is between faith and mental and emotional health. Because a lot of times I hear conversations happening in one arena and not in the other or vice versa. So today we're tackling it. What does emotional and mental health look like in the church and how can we do it and assist ourselves and others with a gospel-centered view? So without further ado, here is my conversation with Brittany. I totally watched your Instagram story. (laughs) I saw you were on a walk in what looked like the most beautiful desert in California, and it's rainy here, and I just wish I could have transported myself right there so that we were in person, hanging out and talking, and on that walk. Like, Is that your backyard, basically? It kind of basically
1: is, yeah, and it's really nice, and especially with everything going on, it's crazy times, and that was kind of my way of... De-stressing, and you are more yes. than welcome to come along on my walks. We can we can pretend we're walking now through yeah. the field, if you
0: like. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of cooped up in my makeshift studio, quote unquote, in my bedroom. I hear you. And it's raining outside. It's just like all oh, just not ideal, but that's okay. That's behind the bliss. Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh well, I want you to just take a moment and introduce yourself and who you are and what you do. You're a fellow podcaster, so please yeah. plug your podcast and all the things.
1: Yeah. I don't even know
0: where to start. I never know where to start. You, you ever
1: get somewhere and they're like, who are <laughs> yes. you? And in that split second, you're like, I don't know. I don't know who yeah. I am. I don't know my name. <laughs> who am I? Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. So my name is Brittany Moses, and I'm Los Angeles native in California, and I talk a lot about the intersectionality of faith and mental health. It's something I'm really passionate about. I was born and raised in the church And we'll probably get into more details about that, but serving in church is actually kind of where I think some of the signs were showing that I was encountering mental crises and (laughs) it was the work that I'd be passionate about. But um, alongside that, I study psychology at UCLA in pursuit of clinical psychology. I also research assist at UCLA's Semmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior and, you know, I, um, I do crisis counseling on the crisis text line when I have some time. Um, wow. And, that's cool. Yeah, and so I have my podcast as well, the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast, and that's at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health where we have people on who are, you know, mental health professionals, researchers, clinicians, psychiatrists, therapists, but also those on the other side of the couch, I would say, with lived experience, you know, who have lived through living with the diagnosis or um what those crises have been and what recovery looks like. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's been really awesome. I love being able to walk alongside other people's stories and grow and
0: learn along the way. I mean, it's truly brilliant because – and here's why I'm sitting over here with my jaw drop because (laughs) you keep saying the word intersection. And I had like a big moment where I was like, two lines only intersect when they're going opposite directions. But there's like that one beautiful moment when they they touch, right? And I think that a lot of times I have personally always considered – like my faith wellness and my mental and emotional wellness to be parallel. And when that happens, they never intersect. They never overlap anywhere. And that's geometry. And the more I think about (laughs) it, that's how I've always operated is they're parallel when really they're so different, but they're beautifully different. And if you can find that one intersection, the work that can be done there is significant. And I think that that's kind of what you found doing what you do so well.
1: Yeah, totally. Because I think we've all experienced how our mental health and our faith go hand in hand, you know, where if our mental health is down, you know, maybe we're struggling spiritually or vice versa, right? Like it's all connected. And something that I always like to advocate is that we are bio, psycho, spiritual, social beings, right? So all those things make up Um, your personhood. You know, you think about in scripture when it says, love the Lord your God with all your uh, mind, your heart, your soul, your strength. You know, what is that? That's mental, that's physical, that's spiritual. Um, So we have all these domains that exist and make up our personhood and they intersect and they interplay together. Um, And so it, it makes sense to look at the whole person when we're talking about that. As soon as we start teasing apart You know, those, is it faith? Is it mental? Is it spiritual? Right? Right? We're not looking at the whole picture.
0: Yeah. And I'm here, I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, duh. (laughs) Like, I don't feel like it should be this difficult. But here I am sitting in a lot of very unordinary spaces with pandemic, with hard social conversations, with really just what today, like today, June 8th brings us, is a lot of heavy conversation, a lot of introspective material, just – I think that this conversation could not be more timely, and I admire the way that you work through hard conversations and give insight to mental and emotional health. Thank you. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it, so I want to go there. But right now in the church, I'm seeing a lot of people tiptoe around this topic because it feels more – maybe they feel like it feels more scientific to talk about it than personal, or maybe there's just a lot of mixed opinions on which how to even approach this topic But right now, more than ever, I think it's important that we sort through these feelings, that we find ways to grow in emotional health. And I just really honestly want to open up the conversation for just a few practical ways to even go about that when, or we could even jump into the conversation about church. Shoot, let's just do that. (laughs) Let's talk about like, how can we bring this conversation Christ-centered when maybe it doesn't get brought there often enough?
1: Yeah, I think it's it is what you're saying. I think that there is maybe a misunderstanding about mental health in the church and so um It's easier to kind of tiptoe around it, like you said, because you don't really fully understand. And I think we do put pastors in this position where they have to be the expert of all things, where they have to have a sermon topic or a sermon lesson on all things and be the expert of those things. And so, definitely, I think one of the steps that we can make is having a partnership between the church and mental health professionals, whether that means bringing them in, you know, to, I don't know, walk your, pastoral Mm -hmm. care team through some type of uh, mental health first aid training because you do see a lot of crises in church. I think if any of us have been in church for just a little bit of time, (laughs) you realize that that's where all the stuff is going on, um, even if you don't see it right away. So Research for over 20 years has shown that a person in psychological distress will go to their clergy, you know, or their pastor before they ever ever step foot to a mental health professional. So it's totally there and it's always been there. The church has always been a place of spiritual and soul care. Going back to, I don't know, like Middle Ages, you know, before they had institutionalized health care. They would transform the monasteries into places of care for the physically sick and the mentally sick. Um, our practices were probably quite questionable at that time, but everything else was <laughs> too. So um, I wouldn't fault uh, anyone totally there, but um, but yeah. So it's always been a place of soul care. So. Not only that, but the church also just already kind of has this natural infrastructure to support the community, you know? Um, they're mm-hmm. planted throughout the community. People can go there. It's free. They're available. And, yeah. yeah, they're available and connect different people, connect to different support groups and whatnot. So um, so I, I do say that, I, I always say that I think the church is such a great uh, supportive system and can be such a great supportive uh, answer to mental health crises in that domain. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think that just means that we need to bring in more people who understand what's going on biologically, psychologically, socially, um, emotionally when it comes to mental health so that we are not, we don't, you know, end up creating more harm you know, in the church by making maybe blanket statements or yeah. throwing scripture at someone who's in pain and bypassing it and not really understanding what's going on, which can happen sometimes because uh, yes. we kind of get this savior syndrome, right? Like we have to fix and heal everyone and um, instead of just sitting with people and learning like, okay, what are really the dynamics here? And that's not everyone's mm-hmm. job, but we do need to bring in and, or partner with people whose job it is. And I think that we just kind of get caught up in two perspectives, right? When it comes to mental health. Like, so there's one side, which is like the completely scientific view, right? And it's all evidence-based and, you know, there's no kind of account of God or like you said, there's no gospel centering to it. And it's just what you can evidentially uh, prove or support, right? And then – and that's what people tend to be more skeptical of in the church <laughs> because there is no god in it, right? And then mm-hmm. but then there's the 100% spiritual view, which is what we tend to tend on, we tend to take on, which is that everything is 100% spiritual. It's 100% a spiritual issue and we don't take into regard the physical condition, right? Or all right, the other dynamics yeah. that might be in play and we miss that or we end up stigmatizing. And so what we really want to do is have an integrated view where we are looking at what's evidence-based, you know, um, and we're looking at the spiritual side. What does God say about our mental health? What does Christ say that we should be fixing our thoughts on, you know, um, and integrating the two. So we want to definitely find that balance. We want to find that middle ground because both can coexist, both are valid, you know? Yes. So that's just where we need to be. We need, I think I think it's starting to happen, but growing in that in our perspective first, I think is a is a really big hump to get over.
0: Yes. I'm so glad you said that. I'm I think through this often and I love to say that there are little tea truths and there's there's yeah. big tea truths. And yeah. I was just talking to someone this morning that um Little T truths are valid, but a lot of times I feel like in my relationships with mentors or people even outside of professional mental health care, it's it's very mm-hmm. much like a, yeah, 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 but you know big T truth over here exists, and it trumps it, where mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be a, like, one is more important than the other, which one is, obviously, But the little t truth also has to feel valid. Like, man, I feel really lonely today, right? And then in return, if someone was like, you shouldn't feel lonely because X, Y, Z is true. And I'm like, oh, man, now I feel not only lonely, now I feel shameful that I feel lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, just hear me out. I don't feel like, (laughs) I don't feel super loved on today. And when in reality, it can be handled as a both and where it's like, I know you feel lonely. I recognize it. And I know that you know the truth, but just let me remind you that this has the final say and that is the big T truth. And I think that that like whole process Mm -hmm. is not what is happening in a lot of Mm -hmm. gospel centered relationships and where I'm like, yes, the little T truth, totally minuscule compared. But at the moment, if you put yourself in that person's shoes, it feels huge. So how do we sympathize? Yeah, you have
1: to validate. And I know, I totally know what you're saying, because I've, I mean, like, for those of us who have been in ministry for years, and I thought, I mean, you just hear these things, and you probably yeah. said these things at some point. I, yeah, I was about to say, I have you been know, that person I as well, feel. yeah. I've totally been the person where I look back and I'm like, wow, there was a time that I said all the wrong things. And (laughs) not that I'm perfect today, but, you know, um, I've learned a lot along the way. So that, especially that loneliness that you're saying, it's like, oh, I'm lonely. Well, you know, you shouldn't be alone. You have Jesus. If you're lonely, it's a sign that you need more of Jesus. And, uh, you know, and God is always there. So you shouldn't feel alone. But the truth is, we have this physical aspect, right? We have this humanity. God created us with bodies to bond with other people, right? Um, It's not good that man should be alone. We literally have neurochemicals like dopamine and oxytocin and mirror neurons that are wired within our body for human, for physical human connection. So this is what I'm saying when we're talking about taking the whole thing into account. That's that 100% spiritual view that's like, oh, well, you just need to go to Jesus if you're lonely. It's like, Yes, go to him and connect with people. Like, let's find ways that we can get you around
0: people, you know? Um, Yeah, and not forget that he was the one that created those chemicals. And he created our mind. So I'm like, he knew what he was doing. He knows the ways that we work and what snaps us, goes off when and why, you know? can we recognize that, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what you were talking about, what you're basically talking about is spiritual bypassing. And that's something I was talking about in my Instagram stories earlier. Um, Really? when When somebody was saying like, what do you say to someone who says, well, your body is a temple to someone who's dealing with self-harm, right? Like you should you know, you probably shouldn't harm your body because your body's a temple. Well, that's not addressing why they're doing it. That's not yeah. helpful, right? You're just throwing a Christian colloquialism. You're spiritually bypassing what's really going on. And that's the fact that someone's in so much pain that this is their way of coping by either numbing it or expressing it in that way, um, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to deal with relieving that pain right? And that a lot of times can happen through talking with someone, journeying through it, or therapy. So again, um, it's just – it's a spiritual bypassing. It's when we throw a scripture on someone or we kind of bypass it with these Christianese phrases, uh, but it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't really help. Like you said, you're like, I don't really feel validated. I don't really feel loved. I don't really feel supported. And I think that it happens to well-meaning people who can genuinely care. You, but they just mm-hmm. don't know what to say in those moments, you know. And this is just something that we've been kind of conditioned to do is to just throw scripture on hard things. And the unfortunate reality is that how you respond to other people's emotions really kind of shows how comfortable you are with your own emotions. So wow. when you learn that dis- uncomfortable emotions are not bad right? That it is okay to sit with them. It is okay to really lean into what is going on, what is going on within you, um, and to pull those out either with a counselor or mentor or pastor or therapist. You know that it's okay to be in that space and learn from that space and not have an answer right away and not have to tie a bow at the end of it and that is where right our faith is refined. That is where we grow. That is it is an endurance, right? Um, that we are seeing the genuineness of our faith. So it's a growth it's a growth moment. Um, and so when we have the maturity, I think, to understand that, Then when we can bring that to those hardest moments with our friends um, and other, you know, members and can sit with their soul and say, you know what, we're going to just carry this together. We're not going to bypass it. We're not going to come up with quick answers. We are going to sit with it. We're going to pray in it, you know, and Mm – We're going to believe that God is going to bring something greater out of this.
0: I'm sitting here. I'm thinking through there's two people now listening to the conversation. There's the one that's thinking, oh, man, I have been the person that has done this, that has spiritually (laughs) bypassed my loved ones. I'm so glad Brittany gave me some insight. And then there's the other person that's like, I have been bypassed. I have been on the other side. I have been on the couch when someone's trying to like scripture me through it. And I just really need the practical. I need the love. I need whatever it is. And so I want to almost speak to that person because to be completely transparent, I am, I am that person right now. This is for me, if it, for anyone. And I think we were talking before we recorded, like today is just a heavy day and there's a lot going on. And so I can imagine there's a lot of people that find themselves in that position So for that person, like, how do we encourage them to identify and feel their feelings? As simple as that sounds, it's like the hardest thing to do. So I want your insight. Yeah, I mean, if you're that person on the other end, like the receiving end, I think that,
1: uh, well, one, you almost kind of have to sit with your own stuff for a time and kind of help identify what you need, you know. Um, What do you need? Do you need maybe – Um, just an ear someone, sometimes that's the hard part. We don't know what we need in that moment, you know? Um, but if you can, when you're talking to someone, you can, you know, you can share with them, you know, like, I feel like all I need right now is just someone to hear me. You know, all I need right now is maybe someone to just pray with. Or I would love to go through the scriptures and see what God has to say about this or whatever it might be. Maybe try to if you can articulate that to those that are around you. Um, but and also we do need to have grace <laughs> for those around us Amen. because like I said and I ourselves. Think that, and ourselves, because I do think that it comes from the most well-meaning people. Like we all said, we've done it before. Yeah. Um, So, but also pay attention to the people, to the safe, you know, to the safe people who you can sit with and are going, are able to, are able to have the capacity to hold what you're dealing with, with them. You know, I would definitely say pay attention to who those people are and, you can also kind of note who those people are <laughs> so that, yeah. you know, in the future, you can kind of manage your expectations around who you may go to with certain things. You know, right. um, you maybe you do feel like you're in a place where you can have a conversation with them and say, hey, I noticed that this tends to happen in our conversations. I'm not judging you or shaming you, but I'm just saying like, this is kind of all that I need in these moments as a friend, right. you know, yeah. or as a loved one. And whether that – or if you're not in that place where you feel like you can communicate that, obviously, like seek those who can hold that space so under I think either even even just getting a good view of your relationships and understanding where people are and their capacities to hold what you're going through and noticing their responses and communicating with those if you can but also if for those who feel like well I don't have anyone because some people do feel like that when it comes to their perceived support like I don't have anyone to really talk to who will just hear understand there are resources right um, like I said I am a crisis counselor on the crisis text line, we will sit there and listen to you and validate and hear you and help find resources for at least a good hour, you know. Um, so there are people that you can reach out to 24-7. Um, you can reach out to 24-7 um, at any time. Who will listen to you? Who will be there for you? And you can contact them any at any moment. And this is also where it's good to have a therapist or counselor yeah. if you're able to, because they will listen non-judgmentally. They legally cannot share anything that you've said. And secret I guarantee- keeper secret keeper, (laughs) safe space. And I guarantee you, they are not going to think you're crazy. Like out of anything that you say, right? We think, oh my gosh, they're going to, if I share this, they're going to think I'm insane. They've heard everything. (laughs) Um, And you'd be surprised how common what you're feeling or dealing with is and happens. So I think what I'm saying in summary is just try to recognize and find and seek your safe spaces for your sake.
0: Wow. That's all good. And I also saw you post on Instagram. You said, let go of perfectionism of how you should be showing up right now. You've never been in a pandemic before you're learning to cope through something new. And I think it's that like having the grace for yourself in those moments to be like, Rachel, you really are doing okay. Like relatively you're really thriving (laughs) and having that grace and kindness with yourself is important. Um, and one thing, too, I I think that you've spoken to really well is, like, unplugging. Like, how do you find rest? And today I'm learning that, wow, I have turned to social media to provide me rest. And now is not the time to turn to social media for rest. <laughs> right. So how do we, like, what are some ways that you yourself might be managing your mental health? Like, finding ways, you said earlier, a walk. Like, finding ways to really just unwind decompress and process through some things
1: yeah totally and if you know everyone's different so I think the first thing I would say is pay attention to those things that make you feel alive right? Um, Whether it is painting, dancing, singing, and it might be something that doesn't make any money and something that nobody will ever see. And that's fine, right? Find those things that when you do it, it makes you feel alive. I always say pay attention to what works. There are, you'd be surprised at the common sense wisdom that we can use when we just pay attention to the things in our lives that do work and that do help us feel better and just committing to doing more of those things. So- um, yeah, whether it's taking a walk outside, being out in nature has been shown kind of in research to help boost our mental health. You know, I think it really just gives you a bigger picture view that the world is so much bigger, right? It kind of yeah. um, magnifies um, the grand, you know, the grander scheme of things in the world in comparison to everything. So get out in nature, you know, get that sunlight, that vitamin D, um, going outside for a walk, unplugging for sure. Like I mentioned that there were many times I completely turned off my phone. This week, but if you're not trying to go that extreme, something else that I've done is actually logging out of social media at the end of the day or at a certain point because even though you're off social media, you know, when you put your phone down, it's still kind of like the hum in the periphery of your life, you know, like it's still that hum in the background. So, turning it off or sorry, logging out completely can be really great. And I always say like, you don't have to make an announcement. Trust me, people will just notice when you pop back on, like, it's (laughs) really not that serious, um, unless you want to. Um, So that definitely being present with loved ones doing things that just kind of force you to be present you know, yeah. um, yeah. whether it's just watching a good movie, laughter is so good for your brain. <laughs> um, what makes you laugh? Um, uh, creating things. I think anything that has to do with like creating with your hands, like, or even just writing any type of craft forces mm-hmm. you to be present and in that moment. So those things are really, really great. Um, are connect- you a fan with- of
0: journaling? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking writing. Yes. Like whenever I journal, I have to intentionally think about what I'm putting on the page. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you're writing,
1: you're forced to slow down and you're forced to write things out. And then what's cool is now you can step back and it gives you – now that everything's out on paper, what you're feeling and what you're going through, you can kind of step back and be the – I don't want to say judge, but you can kind of step back now and assess where you're at. You know, you have kind of physical – and evaluate yeah all of that. So I think all of those things, you know, you know, even it could be little things. Like for me, I noticed when I make my bed in the morning, like for some reason I just if nothing in my life is together, if my bed is made, I feel 100%. Together oh, me too. Yes. <laughs> You're like everything in my life is crazy, but my bed's made, I'm good. So yeah. whatever those little things are too that just help you feel a little bit more like you know, like you have some sustenance, so you're sustaining in your life.
0: <laughs> right. Um, well, I've heard someone say too, like when your bed is made or like the dishes are in the dishwasher or whatever yeah. it is, like your sink's empty, like everything else can be going wrong, but at least like you have some place of order. I'm like, yeah, that's I can me. That's, the mess yes. space. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So, yeah. yeah. Just pay attention to those things that
1: work, pay attention to the things that make you feel better. And, um, And I would say commit to that. And and I'm glad that you're bringing this up too, because I think when it comes to self care, people get stressed out about self care because it's like, oh, I got to do this, this, and this, or what do I do? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no realistic about it. Just do what works,
0: you know? That's so Um, good.
1: Do what makes you feel better, as long as it's not, you know,
0: self destructive in the long run or anything. And yeah. Right. Another thing that I found practically that um, has really like, been so cool. It's if you find yourself being on your phone a lot or spending a lot of time on your screen, there's actually, if you have an iPhone, there's an app called shortcuts. Have you seen that? And you can, um, like set. So basically it creates a literal shortcut in your phone. So where, for example, um, man, if I open up my Instagram app, it sets a 10 minute timer, like automatically on my phone and things like that. that. So, Yes. So if you get sucked into Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, like you can set one of those shortcuts for your phone and it'll keep you accountable. And so that's something I found where if I don't want to completely log out or sometimes Instagram is literally my work and you get that too. So I'm like, how do I balance between yeah. like working and logging out and being available, but also not. And, um, that has totally helped. So that's a tip. Tip of the day. Yeah. Shortcuts. Thanks. I'm yeah. going to look that up. Yes. It's been it's been real cool. And I can also stand with you and say that going outside helped, <laughs> not even <laughs> because of the sun and what it does for me, but I went on a run yesterday. Well, no. I went on a walk slash run slash jog uh-huh. yesterday. And like the more people you see outside, the more smaller your own problems seem because you're mm-hmm. like, okay, there, there's other people. The world is still going round. But when you're, I'm home and I've been inside for so long, it sounds so silly, but I literally just get so engulfed in all of the things that I forget yeah. the world's still operating, as usual. Right. I'm the only one in this house that's really stressing. So once we have shut off, how do we use that time intentionally? Because that's where I fall short. So it's like I've deleted the app and I've done the things to... Log out or to really just be restful. But then I just sit there and I feel like I'm twiddling my thumbs. So I'm like, what yeah. do I think about? How do I reflect? You know? So once you've created that margin, now what?
1: Yeah, I think that what you're speaking to is just like this com- getting comfortable with being alone, right? Just getting comfortable with being in your own space. And wow. I feel like that's definitely something that as I've gotten older, I've learned I, there was a time where it was just like, I really had a hard time being alone. Right. And it was yeah. just like, cause when you're, I think the, the thing is when the reason why I think a lot of people just don't like being alone, right. Or they feel averted to It's because a lot of things begin to torment their mind. Um, maybe that haven't been dealt with or faced wow. or yeah. what have you, you know? So, um, So just learning how to be alone, I think you can be alone without being lonely, right? So I think it does mean taking that time to find the things that you enjoy, right? I think a lot of the things that we mentioned, whether it is journaling um, and doing some self-reflection or – Reading a book. I read a lot. So for me, alone time is like book time. So I feel like yeah. that space is always full, like finishing that book that you've been meaning to finish, Make <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe making that phone call and connecting with that person that you've been needing to connect with. So I think there are definitely ways that you can fill your time that are intentional, that are feeding your mind and feeding your soul. Maybe you listen to a podcast, Um that is I don't know either entertaining or educational I end up filling my space with a lot of educational stuff but mm-hmm. um, whatever that thing is for you right um, that helps build you up um, yeah maybe yeah. sometimes like make a list make a list of what those things are and then when you do have that alone time revisit it
0: be like oh yeah I could be doing this I could be doing that that's a good thought yeah like on your phone just keeping a list of things you can do yeah totally. yeah And here's something too I'll say that's on my heart is I think that we have this idea that we know ourselves best and when we have the moments to be alone and it's just me, myself, and I, it feels Mm -hmm. intimidating because I haven't been acquainted with myself in a long time. Like I thought I knew myself and then I sit still long enough and have thoughts and I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I don't, maybe I haven't been as in tune with what I Mm. need and who I am and different things that I need from the Lord as I thought I was. And so I think in those moments it's humbling to maybe even like for us that are believers are called to higher standards, like sit there in a moment and be like, okay, Holy Spirit, like speak to me. What is it? What is it that I need? How am I doing? Not performing. How am I doing? Like, how am I, like, what do I need that I didn't know I needed? And I think in those moments he tenderly will speak to us because he, he wants us to have that information about ourselves because, totally. you know, the better we operate, the better wife I am, the better friend I am, the better daughter I am. Mm-hmm. But I can't be that person if I haven't created that space for me to first feel loved from the father when I'm just scrambling and striving to just do it in work or career or family stuff.
1: That's so good. That's really good. You know, I, I agree with you completely. Like silence is actually our friend, not our enemy. Um, that's the time where we get to reevaluate even just something as simple as what are our priorities, right? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing, right? Where may Mm -hmm. I have, where may I have kind of, um, where might, where might my priorities be unbalanced, right? Um, am I making, am I making time for the things that are most important, in my life. right? Um, it's so mm-hmm. funny because I say how I think backwards um, when it comes to life. Like I think about when I'm 80 years old or what have you. <laughs> and it's like, what's going to be important to me when yeah, I am
0: for 90 real.
1: years old? And I think like that and I go, okay, whatever those things are, those are the things that I need to make priority now. Yes. Because I don't want to look yes. back on my life and be like, oh, I wish I did more of those things. I, I would have to implement those things now. If I want, you know, my relationships to be the most important thing, which it usually is when people are at the end of their lives, um, then I need to make sure I'm making time for those important relationships now. And that's one of my priorities. And I don't let, you know, work and other things overtake that too much. I have boundaries around those priorities. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if it's traveling, if it's whatever it is, you know. Um, yeah, just using that silence to even just reflect on what's most important. Am I aligned with those things that are most important? Um, to really yeah. reflect because we're so reactive. We are just – our generation's so reactive, right? Everything happens so quickly for us, microwave meals and <laughs> fast food and then yeah. the internet and you get instant replies and instant messages and instant likes and instant feedback to what you write. And even if you're not commenting or writing things, you're reacting in your mind to things that you're seeing. So we are just in a constantly reactive state. And we're just reacting to things all the time. But you need that space, like you were talking about, to actually reflect on yeah. what, what you do think about what you're seeing, what you do think about what you're hearing, what you do think about where you are and what you're doing, and if you should be doing those things, or if you should be doing right. that much of it, or what you should be doing less of, you know, and just getting in back in touch with yourself, uh, getting reconnected with yourself, um, to really reflect on where you need to and want to be, I think is important, and it's hard to do. And we're reacting to everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, that is good. Yes, I'm. Just, <laughs> that's me. I'm so stimulated that I can't yeah. like <laughs> when me I do. take everything away, my brain's still like. Wah, wah, wah. Okay, calm <laughs> down, chill. Just for a moment, just. Bring out the lavender essential oils. Just calm I love it yourself. And yeah, and I think even too, you'll find in that space that not everything is supposed to be tapped out of. That there's, I mean, even conversations today that yeah. I'm like, wow, I need a quick breath. And then in <laughs> those, in those small moments, the Lord's like, okay, now back at it. Like, go back. You know, like not everything uncomfortable. Yes, we all, I think we all deserve that moment of quiet and mm-hmm. peace for ourselves to evaluate. But that evaluation, I think is going to reveal a lot that it's not always going to be that he's like, Oh man, yeah, that's uncomfortable. That's okay. Brittany, like you can tap out a lot of times for me, the Lord's like, okay, glad you got the break armor up. Like, let's go back, you know? And so, right. but in order for us to do it well in conversation in conviction in whatever it is, it's going to have to take those moments to breathe, totally. get a breath, take a sip of water metaphorically and go back. I mean, so I'm so glad that we agree on that because I think that a lot of people are feeling heavy. I think out of a pandemic, a lot of people are feeling lonely and it's a good time to start getting in the habit of evaluating and like you said, assessing and just listening to what we need and how we can best operate to then serve others. Totally.
1: Um, I'll have to maybe you can include it in the show links but I'll have yeah. to send you some really great books about solitude that I've read that really made me rethink um, well I, I already kind of, I think in maybe more so my mid twenties was really reflecting more on the importance of solitude in my life. But I have some really, I've been, I've read some really great books about solitude and about how, you know, great leaders of history in the past that had to make serious decisions, like even just for the whole country, right. Under a lot of pressure (laughs) really required so much solitude and, um, and about how solitude and leadership and solitude and, um, action and whatnot really go hand in hand, so how it's a necessity. So I'll be sure to give you those if you want to include them in the show. Please do.
0: Absolutely. I would love that. Yes, I'm learning that you cannot pour from an empty well. So in order to overflow, we've got to have We've got to have the overflow in the first place. And like Moses, he had to go on a mountain to experience God for himself and then come back down to the people. He didn't bring everyone up on the mountain with him. Yeah. And Jesus walked away from people so many times. (laughs) So many times. He's like, I can't. I got to get away from people. Yes. Yes, and I heard on another podcast, oh man, I wish I knew it, I'll probably remember it and I'll put it in the show notes, that even when Jesus walked away, he still completed every assignment he was sent here on earth to do. So even yep. saying no to people, you can still accomplish what you were set out to do. Totally. You can still do your calling and still say no. you have to. And you have the permission to do that. Because yeah. if you say
1: yes to everything, then you'll be doing everything but what you're supposed to do. So
0: yes, you have amen. to. Yeah. Have you read the book, The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst? I have not, but is, I'll is consider this exactly. it now. Yes. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> is this conversation. What are you loving these days that you have to share with the people that they might not know about? It could be educational. It could be a shameless plug, or it could be like literally a hair product, anything.
1: Oh, man. Okay. So it's so funny. Okay. Now that you're saying that, I've been – I like the moisturizing face masks.
0: <laughs> um, Let's go. I just Which ordered one?
1: like 30 of them on Amazon. Um, they're um, – I don't know what the brand is. I'd have to look it up. But they're the ones that you put on your face and they just sit there and they just yeah. – in in Your face basically just soaks in all of the nutrients and um, yeah, the moisture for like 20 minutes. I actually just did one right before I got on here and then I like throw some – moisturizing like lotion with SPV on it, you know, cream. And so I just love, love it. it. Like it wakes me up in the morning and I just feel like I'm glowing. And
0: <laughs> and yes. I, again,
1: if and my life is together. I'm moisturized.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When Jesus comes back, I will, I will be moisturized. That's I will be moisturized
1: if nothing else. <laughs>
0: yes. And where can people find you online if they want to know more about you or listen to your podcast and all of those things?
1: Yeah. So the podcast is the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast. Um, you can look that up, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, all the stuff. And then... Um, also, we just launched an Instagram for it, so it's faith and Ment- it's Woo-hoo! faith, Men- yeah, it's faith mental wellness podcast on Instagram, and then I'm on all the social medias. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram under Brittany Moses. Um, so yeah, and my website brittanymoses.com kind of is the hub where you can find everything in one place. So yeah, I
0: love meeting new friends, and I'd love to continue this journey with you all. We will link everything in the show notes, too. So if you guys listening want the book links or anything that Brittany mentioned, we will have it all over there. Oh, Brittany, this has been so good and the most timely. And I'm so grateful for just you and your words and grace and just the way you communicate it. I, I need it. We need it. Thank oh,
1: you. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for ha- making the space for this conversation. Like you said, I love that you noticed that this kind of intersectionality and conversations weren't happening a lot. And so this is how change happens, right? This is how yeah. we turn the tide is someone like you who decides to open up the space to have that conversation and share it with your community and your platform. and um, And we keep doing the work from there. So thank
0: you. You are too kind. I'll see you in LA soon. <laughs> yes